Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello all you listeners, watchers and subscribers. Welcome to another chapter of the SDR Disco Call show. If this is your first time joining, this show is all about interviewing SDRs, BDRs or people in the world of sales, getting their insights and their journeys to help you out in your own careers. My name is Neil Buyan and I'm your host on the journey and each week we have a lovely guest from around the globe that we're going to bring straight to your ears and eyes. So with this guest, this is somebody that I connected with earlier this year in 2022, uh, where they reached out on LinkedIn to advise that they'd come across the show, watched a couple of episodes and thought it was quite cool. Um, but at that point, they weren't particularly an SDR, but they had a different take on sales and they wanted to give their own insights on it. So, you know, we met, we connected, learned their great story. And then we kind of paused for a little bit because life changes and we we're going through different transitions as well. And then they came back and they said, Neil... I'm ready to record. And I'm like, cool. So let's get it. So, guest, could you please introduce yourself? Who are you? Thank you for introducing me, Neil. Um, I'm Jay, which is a very abbreviated nickname for one that's French. Uh, 199.99% of people get wrong, but the link will be in the description. Um, I was someone that was in the BDO industry uh, for two years um, in telecommunications. Uh, prior to that, I've got many multiple experiences, which has enhanced my ability to build relationships, uh, close deals, and be successful in my career. Um, I've been part of, obviously, the recession, and hopefully to take a fresh perspective on how we can um, deal with our mental health during these tough times and go into 2023, make it one of our best years ever. So um, thank you, Neil, for introducing me again. No worries, Jay, and welcome to the show. And for the listeners and watchers out there, where are you based in the world, Jay? I am based in a very small village that no one has ever heard of. Uh, it's called Sunburn Thames, <laughs> which is about an hour from Waterloo on, on the train. Uh, but it's lovely. It's, uh, in, in all seriousness, it's, it's near Richmond, it's near Twickenham, so all the, the hot spots that people like to go out and pretend to be posh and splash loads of catch, basically. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I do know Sunburn Thames because it's kind of round the corner from me in South London here in Sutton. Uh, but you. again, Jay, an absolute pleasure to... Yep, yeah, there you go. An absolute pleasure to have you on. So guests and listeners, so like this is going to be a little bit of a, a different show today and we're going to be going off the beaten, beaten track. Um, and we're going to be sharing some insights of, as Jay alluded to, like currently where we are. So we're November 2022. The world's kind of changing. There's like the, the beginning of what we could see as a recession. There's a lot of things going on in volatility, job market. And people have been affected by this, uh, Jay included, and myself. So we wanted to share some insights to help people through this. And we kind of said before we connected on the show, Jay, that let's kind of use this as a journal entry as to what's going on in our life. And hopefully when we put this episode out, we can reflect back on it and see the key learnings from it. So again, this is going to be a really special episode in my opinion. Um, and I, I'm really grateful, Jay, to having you on board for today. So Jay, 
obviously what we always want to figure out is before we get into sales and like the stories and stuff like that outside of sales what do you like to get onto what hobbies and interests do you have sir because you've got some quite a uh, tasty and aggressive one don't you <laughs> yes it's, um, I'm, a, I'm a soft guy i do promise um but um on my linkedin profile the most prominent thing at the moment is this experience i've done in mma it's called um, the altar program which was rebranded from um something called wimp to warrior um it's a really intensive 20 week program uh, which i did monday to friday uh, before work i'd literally get up at half four five in the morning walk about half hour get a train get another train get two buses and literally go to this gym freezing cold roll around with people get choked out wow. um and literally i was using that as a form of therapy to get over my stepdad who passed away this year of cancer um so i'm very much into my sport i'm very competitive and i feel like with these sort of particular traits and characteristics and interests it, it really does translate into a sales environment because you obviously want to be number one you want to be best you constantly compete with yourself um and usually people with sport are perfectionists they don't want to admit it but you know for example mm. ronaldo um who people obviously know is going through again quite a controversial time in football um, he's a perfectionist. I mean, if yep. he missed that penalty against Ghana, I think he would have been throwing his toys at the prem. So um, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I love my sport. I love watching the sport. The World Cup is, is a great distraction for me at the moment. Um, there's, a, there's a thing that I like to do as well. I like to obviously collaborate with small businesses. So I was part of a Guinness World Record. So I basically ran, ran around it. Wow. I ran around in a kilt um, for this guy who broke a world record and raised £25,000 for mental health charities um wow and yeah, i'm in a i'm in the process of of publishing a few blogs and, and writing about it with my personal blogs i'd love to write content and one day hopefully write a couple of books and uh they will be free and just helping as many people as i can um going through all the time i love that dude that's admirable um especially like with the cause and for for your father as well um then obviously like wow getting up that early that many buses and trains to get to the gym that's <laughs> commitment yeah uh and like you know philanthropy as well and helping raise funds towards something a noble cause and helping out with mental health and again mental health is a topic we've spoken about extensively on the show and it's always great to get other people's perspectives on it and again i'd love to share this journey with you today so i'm really looking forward to it as well um but in terms of like you know your career and stuff it's always good to get a bit of background so as a gentle reminder for our listeners and watchers, if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, please make sure that you give us a rating and subscribe so other people can hear Jay's story. And equally, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe down below in the section. Uh, but if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, as you know, what we typically do is we go to our guest's LinkedIn profile. Uh, and as a reminder, you'll be able to find Jay's URL for his LinkedIn profile in the show notes below. So if you want to connect with him or ask any questions off the back of his show, please do so. Uh, so Jay, looking at your career, and again, we can see the MMA experience, which was freaking cool. You look pumped, my dude. Um, but if we go into like the experience, like you've got a very colorful career. Like I remember when we connected with uh, way back a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that kind of stood out to me is, you know, like you've also been a prison officer. But looking at it, you've worked as a sales rep at BHS. Uh, you've been a marketing exec at Body Power Expo. You've been a sales assistant within retail. You've been a prison officer, portfolio manager. You've worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. You've also done a personal endeavor where you're a project team lead for the Guinness World Record attempt, which is awesome. 
you've been a BDR at Intrado, uh, BDR at Ring Central, know those guys, sales manager, odds checker, uh, sales manager. You've got a hell of a lot of sales experience and a lot of experience in different fields and industries, yeah. which makes you a very colorful character. Um, and the difference here, ladies and gents, is right now Jay is obviously actively looking for work. And we're going to be diving into this topic, you know, a bit deeper together on this. But Jay, in your own words, could you tell us like from the beginning, like what's your story and like how did you get into sales and what have you learned from it so far and, you know, what you're looking to do next? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't think people wake up and think, oh, bloody, I'm going to go and get a, a sales job in uh, selling selling voice solutions and video conferencing solutions. I don't I just don't think that happens to be honest. I mean, you kind of just fall into them, <laughs> them industries, right? And if if anyone else tells you they don't, they're they're lying. Um, I, I kind of got into sales because I just like to build relationships. I mean, I I, I grew up actually um, quite poor, like poor as poor as hell, and um, I didn't have that much confidence as a kid. Um, but as I got older and I wanted to do something about my physical appearance and obviously constantly get bullied on for being this geeky academic guy. <laughs> I kind of just started going to the gym and then getting into shape and then I, I kind of just out of nowhere got this personality which became like one of confidence and I was building relationships with people that I've never met before, you know, friends of friends and, and all these other people, right? So um, as I got older, I thought mm. actually maybe a sales role would be something I'd be interested in. Um, also growing up quite poor, you, you kind of sort of appreciate having more money. So it, it, as people know, sales is a really lucrative industry where you have a basic yeah. and you can get paid some seriously attractive commission. Um, so I, my career um, from a colorful and positive perspective has grown up, in my opinion, tremendously. Um, I mean, I started out in BHS, which I don't think is no longer here anymore in the UK, but basically that was for sales experience yeah, yeah. whilst I was still at college. Um, so that was basically just building a report and again, a very entry level position along with obviously working at a supermarket. Um, it became more prominent as I worked for the NEC, which is one of the biggest expos in the UK in Birmingham. Um, I was honored to be part of one of the sort of shows, uh, which is called Body Power and basically just sell floor space and tickets. And, uh, I had the privilege to freelance to pitch to C-levels and directors and sold a good about, I'd say about 80, 80 tickets and three and a half grand's worth of floor space, given that I've got no sales experience, right? So I think I did a good job there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah. And, um, uh, but obviously I'm good. I'm not going to lie. My career was very stagnant. It wasn't going the way I wanted to, wasn't getting the opportunities. And maybe I was actually a little bit nitpicky, um, which I'm happy to talk about later in the, in the show, but. I had this certain expectation for a certain salary number, which looking back, you think, God, I should have just taken, just taken that job for 20 K right. And just, um, built my way up in the company. But I had a certain number in my mind, I guess, when you compare yourself to other people and you have these certain expectations to get the big numbers, um, it just didn't happen. And for years I, I was left with this, this regret of, of trying to hold out for certain things. And, uh, I, I decided to take a, a bit of a sidestep and, and become a prison officer, which was which was a fun and interesting experience. Um, again, the reason why I moved into that industry is because of my desire and interest in mental health. Um, and also I mean, because I just like to listen to people and like to help people and it was a good experience, but I, I certainly wouldn't advise it to anyone that maybe is, has a bit of a recessive personality or maybe can't deal with certain issues. Cause you think, you know, being on the, on the dog and bone to a director or sealer was hard get told to go away you try mm. dealing with a, with an inmate coming at you 
coming at you with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that is intense, man. That is intense. They make you know like do they call them chefs of the prison? They can make it from like windows yeah. and stuff like that. They're incredibly like clever people. People seem to feel because they're basically stuck in a prison cell. They're just like worthless people that don't have a brain, but they really are like criminal mm. masterminds. Um, so it was really intensive mm. stuff. I I I seen stuff from someone did did different. What's the word for not saying poo on the wall? Um, on the wall, the the defecation and feces. Defec- yeah, defecation. shit on the wall. That's it, defecating on the wall. Um, I didn't want to say shit because it was just podcast, but yeah, so I see defecating yeah. on the wall. Uh, it's called a dirty process in the prison. So we, I had the privilege to, <laughs> I had the privilege to go and clean that up, right, in a, in a nice little PPE oh, suit. So I had the privilege, don't get any overtime for it, nothing. And that was during a night shift. So you can imagine four o'clock in the morning, the, the last thing I want to do is go and put some rubber gloves on and, and clean, you know, prisoner's bum. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Yeah. What? experiences or what did you see with inmates being like a prison officer and what, what did that teach you i i kind of just um just expect the unexpected now really really um like i, I honestly truly believe that all these job roles that we have now you kind of just thrown in cotton, cotton wool um mm. we don't we don't realize how lucky you are just to even get on the phone with a sea level a founder of a, of a huge enterprise so I was complaining and be told to, to go away. I know it sounds like really stupid advice, but just to get that privilege, just to listen to their voice and and have that interaction is, yeah. is honestly, it's, it's a great experience and you learn a lot just from that. Um, in terms of inmates, I mean, I've, I've met, I met some great characters and I'm not just saying that because I worked there, but either they, they're, they're so like intuitive and smart and they've got ambitions and goals. And they, they might even be in there just for the smallest of things. They might have just done like some shoplifting site, like mm. this, Snagged a, a Krispy Kreme from from the from the uh, the, from the local Tesco, or, yeah, from the local Tesco, put it on, <laughs> put it on as a banana, it's like you know what I mean. Yeah, um, they, you know, like they have the opportunity to, to turn their life around and get a second chance, which I'm sure is is, is a great thing. But unfortunately, <laughs> sometimes in the sales world, you don't get that. Mm. People just kind of look at your CV or you or you as a person go, oh, this guy's fucking like mm. job hopper, he's useless, doesn't deserve our time. Um, but on the flip side, you do meet like some really intense prisoners, and this is where like the job is it's dangerous, um, especially for women. I think, in my opinion, when you when you're working with someone, maybe it's about four foot four foot nothing, and mm. they have to deal with a prisoner at six foot five, weighs twenty stone plus. It's it's a really dangerous job, um, mm. and team building, it's sort of like that camaraderie that you get yeah. in prison is is usually like non-existent because people are there for themselves. Yeah. Um, hate to say it but it's an industry that they don't get enough for what they do they do an incredibly hard job um mm. and it's it's crazy that you can get paid more as an sdr a head of a lot more just sit here in your office like you know being on a on a pretend pretend to be on a phone some mm. software on the laptop calling people all day and getting paid a head of a lot more than people that putting their lives on the front line mm. in a prison um potentially affecting their health um getting their immune system fucked, compromised, yeah. potentially losing their life. So it's it's, it's quite shocking, really. Um, I was there for just under two years, and I left because I just saw a lot of things I didn't agree with. Yeah. Um, corruption, to name a few. You yeah. know, like I said, the camaraderie wasn't there. Um, and yeah, like some of the stories that I shared with you, um, yeah. to name a few, um, it just wasn't for me. I don't quite enjoy getting up Christmas Day um, and seeing like 
bunch of inmates around the table, um, mm. watching them have turkey and, and stuff like that, and go to the gym and you know, it's, it's great, you know, it's good for them. But I don't, I feel I've got better things to do in my time, yeah. um, be with my family and stuff like that. So yeah, it was a good experience, but it's yeah. told me that, you know, it's it's an industry I certainly don't want to be into. So. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's, um, it's really funny because I've got a friend, a mate, Cheryl, and Cheryl is a hard lady, right? Mm-hmm. She goes to my fitness class each week. Uh, and in the past few months, she's been on her prison officer training as well. So every time I meet up with Cheryl at our, uh, our antics class, she's like, yeah, so I've learned like, self-defense today. Today I'm going to actually go into the prison. I'm going to see a couple of the inmates. I'm going to see it. And she was saying to me like, no, it's scary as hell. Yeah. Like some of these people are in here for very serious offences and some others are complete jokers and you have a laugh with them. But you have to be very careful not to get too friendly with the familiars yeah. out there because Cheers. she said, like, they will get on with me. We all chat and have banter, but I'm a screw. And, you know, at any point things could just switch. But she said, and, she, and, and she's also a woman. Yeah, and, and she's also like hard as hell. Like, I would not want to mess with like, She goes, Foxy, and she does a lot of fitness. Yeah, she's a formidable, yeah. a formidable lady, but she was like saying, you know, like being a woman uh, within a prison environment with a lot of these offenders, she said it's a very dangerous area, but she said equally, you know, she can relate to them. She can like, she's had her past and she's seen people go through sort of stuff. And, you know, some people are a result of life not going to plan or things messing up and, you know, we all make mistakes and she wants to help out those people as well. Um, and, you know, Similarly, where I can relate to you is like you will see a side of people in life that, you know, will really turn you off. So at one point I was, you know, uh, a housing benefit officer for like local authority for a couple of years. Nowhere in comparison to being a prison officer that I got that granted. Right. But where for, you know, four or five years I had people walking through my door uh, in the council applying for state welfare and benefits where, you know, they've lost work or you know, they've gone through a hard time or they're fleeing domestic violence or, you know, they're young kids that got kicked out by their parents. They're they're not able to go to do full-time education and get their own place at the same time because the government will turn around and say, well, you either quit work and you sign on and then you can get a flat or if you're yeah. deciding to continue with your education, we can't help you. And, you know, I just wanted to help people in this role and that's kind of where I learned my SDRing in the early days because I'd have to interview people question ask their requirements and then figure out if they were a fit but it like morally and emotionally it drained the hell out of me and I was just like I can't do this anymore I need to do something else um I learned a lot in that time but I saw a very dark side to people and life and what people go through then even back in the day like when we went through a recession back then when I was doing it Dude, it was horrible. And to turn around to a family of four or five or however many kids they've got and say, sorry, you're not in t- you're not entitled to anything. I can't help. I, I-, I just couldn't do it anymore because it-, it just hurt my head too much. Um, but with yourself, so like with doing that hard graft work as a prison officer, like then what was the transition to then taking you into like sales? How did you get into that first piece? I kind of just, um, I mean, I'd go to work and think, <clears throat> God, I wish I was doing something for more pay. Yeah, and automatically the first thing that came into my mind was a sales role. Um, I could work half as well half. I could put in half the effort in a sales role as I did as a prison officer, get paid probably ahead of a lot more with commission mm. on top. So I'm thinking, why am I working harder and not smarter? Why mm. why am I doing this to myself? Like the the this is how I went to mental health because I I went through burnout big time mm. with especially with the prison officer role where. You'd go in and you could even do like something called an A shift at the time, which is 
it's like a 12 or 13 hour shift from it which is is so late it's a mandatory thing to do so you could be in there from half seven to like nine o'clock at night mm. <clears throat> really like full-on regime for prisoners so you have to sort for the cartons kind of be like their carers so to say and you've only got to have like one instant go wrong bang you know you could be in a lot of shit with you with your teammates and stuff like that so yeah <clears throat> i mean that like, i was spending a lot of a lot more time with them than I was with my actual family and people at home that I cared about. Hmm. Um, and I, I just didn't agree with it. I mean, like, I just wanted to be in an, in an environment where I could win um, and obviously look after my mental health hell of a lot more. Obviously, it's a lot more challenging um, to mentally. Yeah. But so as well, like, I think of Wolf of Wall shit and these, these people that push on the phone and hmm. banging bonds and all this kind of nonsense, right? <laughs> but but it's, it's that desire to win and... Um, like um there is a certain comical morality that was missing at the prison officer um role at the time yeah. so being in that role in the sales position where you celebrate everyone's achievements and have that sort of aspect where you're closer together like where you could be on the phones or send an email or pitching that client and then you go back to the office and celebrate your wins together that's a that's a really like lovely thing to do and i think it's normal mm. but people don't seem to do that anymore so um that's kind of how I got to sales, and um, my experience just from there just built up and had quite an interesting <laughs> career, so to speak. So, yeah, I love that, and you know, like the want to win, having that extra element of you know money to be able to put into the bank as well. Obviously, look after your mental health, and you know, you came to a conclusion of okay, something needs to change, right? Um, and then taking that transition in and, you know, like with sales environments, it can, it can be like really daunting for a lot of people and it can be very different to all walks of life. Like to give a, a real life example with my sister, she worked for local authority for the last 20 odd years and she's now going into her first sales tech role. Right. And I'm so proud of her for finally doing it. But I'm like, Tasha, I've been doing it for 15 years. Finally seen the light. Come in, yeah. you know. But she's saying, like, you know, going for the onboarding, like, there's, like, uh, directors talking about mental health and taking some time off, like, this company benefits, the team are all getting together. She said, this is a completely different life. Mm -hmm. That's what I had in local authority. And I was like, welcome to the dark side. But it is different for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it can be very unnerving. And sometimes you can buy into it, and some people, you know, you may not buy into it. And I remember in my early days, like, you know, the gongs being hit and the celebrations. I was like, is this all true or is this BS or fake bravado? I don't know. But over the years, I admittedly have become a fan of it and I do like those motivations. And it was more so because of the pandemic and lockdown when we were doing all this remotely, you had to find some sort of way to boost mm. morale and get people yeah. to buy into it. And also the, the, the kind of take that I used to have on it was, Jay, that um, I was working with a lot of founders um, and these were like, you know, less than 100 employees and companies. And what I always wanted to do is find out what were the... CEOs or co-founders what was their vision and mission and if I bought into that stuff and I bought into that hype then that's the sort of environment that I wanted to be in and I wanted to be an extension of that founder when I was trying to be an SDR and BDR and like promote what they were talking about and to change the world right yeah. but um, obviously like you've had like different sales roles like you've been in the BDR world you've been a sales manager um, what are the key things that have stood out to you in sales and how has that helped you in life on a personal level but also on a professional level Jay? Yeah, I I think the the biggest thing is like you're not just they are normal people these these C levels and directors personally mm. like they they are just like we they're exactly the same as us but they just have a fancy job title 
and they might come across a little bit intimidating because oh they might come across their profile they might have 25 years at that Packard Bell or Bill whatever BTs yeah. but, you know yeah it's great but it doesn't make them any sort of more intimidating purely because they are just like a normal person they're human hmm. um, they also can have their own judgments and feelings and stuff like that and they, they've basically been successful because of the career path they've taken it doesn't yeah. change them in certain aspects so I would say the first thing is when you get on the on the on the, on the phone or the dog and bone, which I usually constantly say in company, or in, or an email or whatever, is just be confident. Pitch yourself. Uh, you know, make it a priority to build a relationship first, then offer the solution or the product or the service second, because you know no one likes um, no one likes uh, them cold callers that knock on your door giving out leaflets about windows window cleaning, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know you want to build a relationship. You want to be a bit of an icebreaker. Look at their profile and see you know maybe what interest they have. You know, I, I've some of my success successful stories have been when I've literally like spoken to someone and I'm like, oh, I really actually like on the side, I really like your personal blog. Like, yeah. um, I noticed in your contact info that you've got your personal blog in there. And I had to look through some of your, your stories. I think they're really cool. And uh, here's yeah. how I can resonate. Kind of had like a bit of a distraction of, of away from the sales pitch for a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, you, you're in charge. You're in control. You can take it back, whatever you want. And then you kind of like, oh, this is what we do. Um, you know, how does your business fit in with what you're doing? And if you see like an issue they have or a pain point, which is, which is a hot word right now in sales, right? If, if you see yeah. a clear pain point, then that's when you see a fit and um that's when you go for this interesting sales cycle depending on the size of the company where you know you could you could take them from zero to hero and that's what i like about sales is you've built that relationship you you're getting money out of their pocket and you're getting them to basically believe in what you're selling because mm. that's all it is it's a it's a it's a it's a game of trying to get a c-level a director or any sort of decision maker to believe in you and what, what you're about yeah. um you could have the best product or service, but if they bloody hate your guts, yeah. If you come across as like an ignorant asshole, then they're yeah. not, they're not they're not gonna even bother to 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 communicate with you. Always even take your proposal seriously. They might even take like some of their their whole company away from your business, which could be quite disastrous going into mm -hmm. further opportunities down the line. So I, it's important that, like I say, number one, you build the relationship with a pool, get inside information. You know, you could use software now that even tells you like what color their hair is, right? I mean, I'm 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 kidding, but yeah. like you, you you just use that information, use your common sense, build that rapport, that icebreaker. Maybe you've got mutual connections on LinkedIn. Use that as well. I use that ahead of a lot a lot mm. of opportunities. And then one you, once you've had that icebreaker, then go for the kill, take charge, and and uh, take it from there. Go for the win. Go for the win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I wanted to take a little bit of a change in terms of how we do the show because, as mentioned with a lot of our guests, Jay, they typically are in a role when they come onto this show. And you're somebody that's actively looking for a role, right? And like to kind of give a, a placeholder as to where are we in time, ladies and gents, if you're listening to this recording, is we're currently in November 2022. And to give a bit of context, the world has gone nuts, right? We're on the brink of a potential recession. Uh, a lot of companies are either laying off their employees, they're making a lot of cuts, and it's impacting a lot of people, including myself, and it's affected yourself as well, Jay. And I just wanted to know a little bit of backstory. So, like, what's been going on with your roles and how has it affected you? 
the day we were able to begin. Um, my most recent role was literally there for four months, right? And I'm thinking, God, this is one of my dream job. I'm working at Oddschecker, which is one of the biggest sports companies. I just mentioned on the podcast, I love sports, right? And I've got mm. the privilege to grow my career here and, and do something special, right? Um, so within the four months, I've really had like a good relationship with everyone in the company. Um, they put me into sort of like this small division of the company called Fine Digital, which is a very small agency. Um, so all the team is basically based in Barcelona. That was an interesting experience for me because um, as a sales manager, I had the privilege to manage a team of heads, head of content, PR, SEO, and outreach. Um, mm. I had the director in Barcelona, um, had the opportunity to be invited to go to a conference in Barcelona, all, all paid expenses, um, mm. basically just to collaborate in the gaming industry and meet lots of C-levels, directors, and that kind of thing. It was a really great time. Um, <clears throat> I was made redundant or laid off, shall I say. Um, so they turned around and said, well, we're going through some like really financial constraints. Um, they also said the remote working issue was a bit of an issue. I was I was actually given a bit of a, a second-hand laptop when I was on board, is, which was basically someone else's when they, when they left the company. So every time I had a meeting with a client, I sounded like a, a mouse that's just had like some gone off cheese. <laughs> yeah, I sounded like Tom and Jerry, like it's just like really manic um like audio so that became a significant issue that just wasn't resolved as well um but you know my performance was never an issue it's just out of control that they were looking to obviously save but in terms of budgeting and a lot of companies as you quite rightly mentioned are are doing that right now even some of the big biggest companies in the world like twitter yeah um they're literally laying off people um so i was really disappointed um given what i've done for the company in the short amount of time and the relationships i've built but this time around, my second time I've been laid off, didn't take it as personally as the first time. I understand mm-hmm. that we're going through a recession inflation. And I think you've got to have that reality check and understand the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And it'll put you in good stead to be in a better place mentally. Um, so took that on the chin. But previously, um, to address any sort of nitpickers or any sort of shit recruiters out there that basically judge a CV, CV by their profile, I've had short stints in my career. Um, I'm not afraid to admit that, right? But there's been clear reasons in my um, personal opinion why I've had short stints. Um, and I'm happy to address them right now. So previously I worked for a telecoms company, right? A really well-established telecoms company. And I was one of their top BDR performers. I generated a lot of revenue for the company, about a million dollars worth, which within a short space of time was was, was a good, good thing, right? Um, mm. And I got to a point where I was actually like, had like a passive mentoring role with all these new BDLs coming in. So I was in an industry that I wasn't really passionate about, but it had that collaboration aspect and I was a top performer. I was getting all this commission, right? Ethics were dandy. Mm. Um, but then my stepdad passed away at a time in April. And um, I tried to explain to everyone that I have interviews with that I basically, I, was, I, was, I had two jobs at a time, yeah. um, a remote role. And I was also caring for someone that was basically dying in the room, literally like two yards away from me. Hmm. So that was intense, man. Like <clears throat> I could be having a meeting right now on webcam, but all I could hear is like it's moaning and groaning in the other room. And that's one tough, man. Yeah, someone's like literally like dying and stuff like that. You know, you just you expect the worst anyways, but um <clears throat> it got to the point where he got so jaundiced, which I've never seen before in my life. It was so scary, like you, you look at like horror films and stuff like that and someone's face literally goes inwards mm. 
and like they used to, they just got yellow and, and shirt. It was really like um, quite scary how like the impact of your health could really put you in such a vulnerable position or that. Got to a point where Harry had to carry him to the toilet. Um, he couldn't even get off the toilet seat. So had to take him in the bath and all this kind of stuff, right? He was quite young. He was only 68, right? So he wasn't old. Mm. Um, and um, it was a very intensive period and he passed away, unfortunately, two hours before his birthday. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got called up to A&E, long story short, and basically said him he passed away like um, 15 minutes too late. So we didn't actually see him dying, but that's probably a good thing anyways. Yeah. Um, and that was a really tough time because I then had to, I didn't sleep anyways after that, going back from A&E, but then I had to call my employer and basically say, well, look, my, my stepdad's just passed away, I was eating some time. Yeah. And whilst like they were understanding maybe like vocally, yeah, um, I'm going to be like quite brutal for anyone that listens to this, like no amount of flowers sent to your door or like sorry for your loss sort of messages makes up for how I felt at the time and sort of the pain I was going through. And I really just needed to decompress. I just needed that time to just get away from work and speak to people and, and be in that environment. So I, I kind of just asked for flexible working. I even wanted time off the funeral, which wasn't even given to me, which is quite, quite disgusting. Um, I also wanted to do this program, right? Which I did the MMA program. So I didn't want to be like going to therapy, talking about it. I'm not slagging therapy off, by the way. It's, it's a great mm. form of, of developing yourself and getting over things. But the thing for me is when you have a talking therapy session, it's great for the, the hour. Uh, but then you come out of the room and you think, oh, fuck, what do I do now? Like, mm. no one's gonna, no one's there for you to control how you're feeling when you, once you've left that room. So it's kind yeah. of like, it's kind of like having um, paracetamol for, for the headache, right? It's masking the, the pain that you're suffering with, but mm. inevitably it could come back, right? So um, it, it was hard, man. I don't know. I just wanted to like, put myself in a really uncomfortable position and do this MMA thing, right, as a distraction. Yeah. And they were so obsessed. One of the things I hate with sales is, I don't know if you've ever seen with SDRs, it's called blitz days, they call them, where you have to go into yeah. the office. You have to go into the office and it was, it's a false thing. And basically you're all just sitting there around the table, like um, measuring each other's calls. Like, how many calls do you make, bro? How many emails yeah. you send? And I'm like, you know, like, can I not just do that at home? Do I have to come in all the way into the office when I've gone through this terrible time to basically just boost your ego? Mm. So it, it was a hard time for me. And we had obviously some disagreements on that side. And my family always come first. So I, I just said, look, maybe we should just like part ways. Maybe it's best if we did part ways. And maybe you found someone else that is a bit fresher and you can coach and maybe doesn't have like that vulnerability going on right now in terms of the feelings I was experiencing. So... We both agreed in five ways after six months, but that's not to say I didn't pass my probation because I was actually one of the top BDR performers. Yeah. Um, so when I when I go for interviews now, this is it's, it's, it's a bit of a joke really. It's when I go for interviews, they say my background's impressive and all this shit. But then one of the questions that always crops up is, well, what's happened with the short since in your career? Why is this, why is that? And then you have to explain that stepdad passed away. I was moved redundant twice. And then even before that, in, in another, another telecoms company, I was on shit pay anyways. Again, I was a good top, top BDR performer, but we didn't even have a proper manager. We had a contract over manager. Mm. He was there for three days a week um, and then for like two days a week. 
but like, I think it was like the Wednesday and the Friday. I literally had no one there, so I didn't even have an onboarding process or anything like that. Uh, it was literally like a team of two. So there wasn't really like a, a BDR function there. Um, and then obviously I got headhunted for a bigger company, often be like nearly double salary. So it'd be silly not to, not to say not to say yes to that, right? They, they literally wanted me on the spot. So I took it and then unfortunately these events happened and now I'm in this position where I was trying to explain myself and you're constantly getting judged and I bring it back to my childhood where even like my first name was it's constantly stereotyped and like how I looked and how I felt and how I came across and this is how I have to this is why I have to put up with going into my sort of career it's the exact same thing in terms of like being stereotyped because of my career history it's, it's really quite sad that people are like that um and it's kind of maybe like evaluate my life and consider other ventures, I suppose. But I just, I don't know what else to say other than to be given an opportunity to prove myself. And I can happily do that because I've got proven sales experience. I've got fucking 34 LinkedIn recommendations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm a credible person. It's just, I've been unfortunate and unlucky in, in the situations I've been dealt with, I suppose. So. Mm-hmm. Deep dude is my initial response. And my second one is thank you so much for being very candid, honest, and sharing, you know, what's been happening in life. I can't equate to how you're feeling, you know? Um, and as you said, there, there probably is no matter of sympathy, well wishes that's going to take away this feeling. And that's really like, if you feel shit, you're going to feel shit, especially when you're going through very traumatic things. And you know, those things will impact you is to, to to things that you're trying to do with your life and things you're trying to do for yourself and best for yourself to get back on track. And, you know, like, um, again, with this show today, ladies and gents, we're going to be talking about some real stuff here and some real shit because, we, you know, we are in a period of uncertainty, best way to put it, right? Um, and I'd love, if it's all right with you, Jay, to kind of give some takes on what I'm hearing. And if anything, try to, I wouldn't say try to give advice or therapy, but to try and help you compartmentalize what's going on as well, because I've had some very horrible experiences, you know, that I haven't shared publicly. And, you know, as you're being honest, I want to be honest on the show today as well. So, you know, with uh, the loss of human life, especially with friends and with family, and like, you know, there is no way you figure out how that shit's going to affect you or how you're going to recover from it as well. So earlier this year, you know, uh, I had a very good friend, um, they, they lost their partner to suicide, right? And that was my friend's girlfriend that passed away, right? And, you know, RIP to Romy as well, much love to her. Um, but I had to be there for a friend and support them. But it actually ended up fucking me up a little bit as well in my head. Because earlier in the year, I also lost five friends to death. Some from natural causes, some from unnatural causes. And I've seen about five to seven people die this year. And it really screwed with my head because I realized that we're all finite, you know? And that, you know, death does not discriminate and you never know when it's coming for you. And that's kind of why I got this tattoo done with like a reminder that death is always on my door, that I have to hold death by my right hand side because today could be that last day. So my learning is i got to fucking live it as much as I can because I don't know when it's going to go and I don't know when certain people around me will go as well because we're all finite. That's the one inevitability in life, that death is a constant, right? Um, And also the other side of it is, you know, the other takeaway is 
with work, I've also realised that work is not life, you know? And sometimes we're, 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 we're working so hard to live that we can, you know, let other things go in terms of our mental health, our physical health, our mindset. What will happen to us in a working day can then be carried on into the evening uh, and stuff like that. And with, you know, much love to all my friends and everything, like when they said, Neil, you're such a positive guy and like you, you've always, you know, you succeed and da 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 da. And, you know, like, how could you let that bug you or, you know, come on, just chin up, it's going to be all right. The other thing that I've realized is sometimes I don't want to be told it's going to be okay. I don't want to be given advice that, you know, this is all going to work out with roses and everything's fine. Sometimes what you do want is just somebody to listen. Maybe they're impartial. You know, they don't even know you. Um, so that you can offload. Offloading is one of the coolest things that I've had to learn to do more of. Uh, and truth be told, there have been many a times where I've gone dark in the head and I've called like the Samaritans because like, I don't want to talk to my friends and my family about stuff that's mucking my head up. I want to talk to somebody where I can be brutally honest with them and they can say, yeah, that sounds shit. That's what I need to hear. Yeah. And they'll ask me towards the end of that session, they'll say, how are you feeling now, Neil? I said, you know what, now that I've vocalised it, I feel a bit better. I can, you know, process it a bit more. And that's it, taking the time to process things. And I think equally, you know, within the workplace, uh, companies will be very mindful to have a HR perspective on things, where they're like, we need to say the right things, we need to give them time for, you know, grievance and et cetera like that. But I've been a manager to many people that have gone through some effed up situations in life. And what I've kind of said to them at that point is, I'm taking my manager hat off for a minute and you're just chatting to Neil here, right? Tell me what you need. Tell me what I can do to make this better. If it's time off, if it's, you know, a, an extra bit of bump in pay to make something okay and happen, or, you know, even, and I know some managers that are listening to this may not be happy, but here's my personal number. Like, if you want to chat, vent, or cry, give me a bell, let me know, you know? And that's taking a human approach to another human because when you're going through suffering and trauma, that's what they need. They need that human touch back, right? Regardless of what HR anybody else is saying obviously there is a certain line you have to be careful because equally it can consume you as i mentioned with my friend because i was trying to be there for them it started to consume me so i had to be honest and say do you know what i need to back off a little bit i need a bit of a break because i need to charge myself up on it as well um and you know behind the scenes of neil happy selling i was dealing with a court case in relations to childcare and uh, with my personal life so I was dealing with work, I was dealing with podcasts, I was dealing with my fitness, but I had a fight going on that's been going on for four years, and I couldn't tell anybody about that, you know? There are certain reasons why I couldn't do work or take on certain projects because of this. And there was many days where I was depressed, my anxiety got the better of me because this was also a financial cost, and it was a mental cost, and it was having to fight for something towards my child, and screwing me up, dude, big time, yeah. right? And then if we now come into, you know, the world that we're currently in, where, you know, admittedly, being honest on the show, like my main bread and butter is SDR training and coaching. And with, with a client, my only client, uh, turned around to me the other week and said, you know, we're, we're not renewing with yourself because uh, we're making cuts within the company and we're doing cost-cutting exercises as well. And unfortunately, you're on that list. And a few weeks ago, I was like, well, okay, this is just before Christmas. How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to look after my son? How am I going to live? You know, and all of this. And I was then thrown into a hole for three weeks where I couldn't get up or out of bed. Um, 
I couldn't do podcast stuff. I had to take a pause on this for a minute as well. And here's my biggest realisation, right? Um, Jay, <laughs> uh, we will all suffer, right? We will all suffer in life, and that is a normal thing. Because I've realised that trying to be happy and, you know, smashing the world and hitting targets, making commission and all of that, that is one aspect of life, but the suffering is something which is needed. And the reason that it is needed is it is something that will define your character. Because dealing with that death with my friend, we overcame it together and somebody I still talk to. And, you know, my mate who's going to be listening to this shouts out to you, bruv, you know that I love you. Um, you know, going through uh, with, like, with the, the legal thing that I had to deal with, beat that, got over it, and, you know, in a much better place. Um, and also with work, you know, it's now opened up this opportunity like to yourself. I had to reflect on what is it that I really want to do? What is it that I really want to focus on? Because if those things didn't happen to me, it wouldn't make me reflect. It wouldn't make me think. It wouldn't make me think about what is it that Neil really wants to be happy in doing? And, you know, and at one point I had to self-evaluate and think, right, do I go, like, I've been running my own business for five years now. Do I go back into a full-time role? So I'm, you know, editing a CV that I haven't touched in 10 years, right? Yeah. I'm speaking to recruiters. And... I've got this great guy, uh, Mark Belladi, if you're listening in. This dude gave me the best advice the other day, Jay. So um, one thing that he said to me is like, Neil, talk to as many people as you can, right? If it's online meetings, if it's a job interview, if it's a networking opportunity, if it's somebody that you haven't even spoken to in a long time, just start talking to people. Because the moment you start talking to people, your confidence within yourself will start to rise up because stuff like this will knock the hell out of your confidence, right? Mm -hmm. And he says, Neil, just start chatting to as many people as you can. So I went to an event. Uh, I went and met with the CEO the other day. There was no work guarantee, but it was just an opportunity for me to meet. And then I started feeling myself getting out of this hole that I'd been in for three weeks. Um, he was then saying, so what do you want to do? Do you want to do a full-time job or do you want to continue with this coaching gig that you're doing with Happy Selling? And I'm like, I don't know. And they said, well, do you have the opportunity to explore, explore both? You know, go update your CV, apply for roles, but then equally go look for coaching gigs. And he said, like, speak to your network of people that you've spoken to in the past and say, hey, look, don't come across as desperate, but just go to them and just say, hey, look, uh, I'm looking at new opportunities for next year. I'm just evaluating my time. Do you know anything where they need perhaps an SDR manager, if they need an SDR coach? And like in one week, I had like 16 different meetings with companies where, you know, it's kind of building a bit of pipe. There's nothing solidified within that, but it's bringing that fire back into my belly, right? And coming to the end of three weeks, like I went to my fitness class and I spoke to my PT and he's somebody that mentally always helped me out and always have somebody to help you out, you know, push you as well. I said, how you doing? I said, you know what? I felt like shit a few weeks ago and I felt so lethargic and I didn't feel no motivated, but I've got a fight back in me because I took action, you know? Because the reality is, nobody in this world is going to save you other than yourself. And I had to kind of re remember that and do something about it. Now, whether this is going to turn into something, I have no freaking idea, right? But I know that if I keep trying, things will come about. And then, truth be told, a new opportunity did come up where it's what I love doing. Um, I get paid for it. I'm helping other people. And it kind of still falls into the umbrella of happy selling but just in a different way and I kind of I was in London last week sitting at the Ivy in London with some other co-founders and CEOs and thinking if I didn't go through all that shit I probably wouldn't be where I am now 
You know, so all that suffering has to happen to help you realize your true potential and things that you may have not been open to, to be able to do it. You know, and sorry if I've rambled on, but it's, you know, like we're all, there was a thing in the pandemic, we're not all in the same boat. We are not all in the same boat because we have different things going on in our life. We have different experiences, but we are in this sea of uncertainty. But I know by speaking, as we've done today, connecting, um, the amount of help that you're doing for people linked and trying to find their job. Again, another thing that I've learned is the best way to help yourself is by helping other people, right? When we was in the pandemic, first time around in lockdown, I was out of work for six months. I thought, let me go help some other people. How would I do that? Create a podcast to help other SDRs. It created work. And we always get to reinvent ourselves as well, Jay. So as I said to you before we started recording this show, um, and our listeners are probably thinking, Rob, this is a deep show. This is something completely different that we've heard on the show before. Hell yeah, why not? Um, I wanted to take this as a journal entry as to where we are today. And, you know, where, and we're going to reflect on this next year when this episode comes out to kind of be proud of how far we've come since then, right? And what we've achieved. So this is one of the coolest chapters in our show and coolest chapters in my life. And having this conversation with you and for all our listeners and subscribers listening to this, hopefully, you know, there's some takeaways for you there as well. But Jay, uh, somebody who's, you know, big on coaching and to an, to an element of self-therapy, I want to ask you three powerful questions, right? And I want you to be as honest as you can on this, right? And I do this with all of my sales and all of my friends and family when I need to get them to realize what they need to do in life. So right now, selfishly, without thinking about people listening to this show, what is it that Jay really wants? What is it that you really, really, really want right now in life? For me right now, I need a job that is going to stimulate me for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, one that I could progress in, one that I could be financially secure, stable. So um, what, so it's important for me to look after two relatives right now that I live with. Um, so I've, I've unselfishly decided to stay at home for maybe a few more years um, since the loss of my stepdad. So I want to be in a position where I can look after them. Um, and that starts with a well-paying job. Um, and also, I just want to be happy again. I mean, like you've already said, Neil, you know, you might look great on the outside and have all this energy and be go lucky. And when I went out the other night for my mate's birthday, it was like, like my, my nickname is a funny one. They call me greedy outside of all the other stuff. They're like greedy. You always get all the girls and, you know, you always like come across as really persuadable and all this nonsense. Right? And I'm like, it doesn't mean anything. I, I just want to be happy. You know, I want to go out and be sociable and I feel like I'm myself again. And that starts from like rebuilding the, the foundations of, of, of your life. And that starts with getting your priorities straight, getting obviously a job that you're happy with, getting good relationships with your friends and family and, and really just looking after your health, your mental health and your physical health. Um, and once all of them are in sync, I truly believe that they are the, the, the three things I truly want and need right now. So, all right. So I love that and I'm happy to hear that. So I'm going to ask you that question again and I want you just to summarize and solidify in just three bullet points. Jay Green, what is it that you selfishly really want? I selfishly want a high paying job with yep. um, great relationships with friends and family and also to be in peak physical and mental health. I love it. So great paying job, be with your friends and family and be the best version of you in terms of your health. Is that right? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So the second follow-up question to that is, how do you see those things happening? 
how do you get a high paying job? How do you make sure that you're with your friends and family? And how do you make sure that you're happy with your, your health and yourself? How? Yeah, I think that the important thing with what you've just asked me there is you have to you have to be in control of things that you can control. Mm-hmm. I I cannot be in control of I hate to say it because I'm so like honest and brutal sometimes. That's probably one of my downfalls, unfortunately, is I cannot control ignorant recruiters. I can't control companies that are closed minded about my C V, my backgrounds. Um, you know, I can't control redundancies, I cannot control any sort of like family deaths or anything like that, which has happened to me, right? These are facts. Hmm. What I can control is um, is bringing my skills to the forefront and being the best versions of myself. So I can go to the gym, you know, it's up the road. I can I can go lift some weights, feel better. I can I can eat a lot better. Obviously, like God forbid, like we're going through a World Cup and everyone's drinking probably a lot more than usual. But I I, I can I can cook right. Like if if you can't cook, let just teach yourself how to cook certain meals and you know get some good healthy nutritious meals inside you to make yourself feel better uh, mentally it makes you think a lot sharper and it all kind of like blends together because if you feel better then you're able to make better decisions if you can make better decisions and maybe you can uh, communicate better with people and, and land that dream job yours but i was just going to say to, to, to summer i was going to say um the the, the things that it's going to get me there is not only the, the, the food, the, the gym, the activity, all that kind of stuff, but just um, consistency. Um, yeah, like you rightly said, no, I've been in bed like for weeks and weeks. I'm going, I'll get up later and later. I'm human. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be a robot, David Goggins, and say like, I'm going to stay hard and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to be like Tony Robbins and say, I've got a sauna. And- yeah and have a cold plunge every morning but what you can do is you can have have a routine you you can make that's manageable mm. um stick to it um and then from there just keep building um and you'll start to enjoy that process of, of feeling uncomfortable and being through pain and uh you'll you'll come out of this a stronger per, per person so 100 percent. so like those are like actionable things that you can do so as you mentioned like there are some things you can control and there are some things that you cannot control and like with the recruitment piece, like when you're saying, okay, you don't want to be speaking to ignorant recruiters, you don't have to be telling that story, you can't control all of that. But would you agree that you can, you know, like hunt for other, like if you've got that BDR mentality, you can go hunt for recruiters and you can ask people from your network, who's a good recruiter that we could be speaking to, right? Uh, eating well to like love yourself, right? Putting that good energy and good fuel into you so that you can go do that workout and then feel better about yourself. And if you feel better about yourself, you'll be more prone to be taking action. Like you also said, like having that routine in there is something that's going to help you get into this and like start having those conversations with people because you'll be into the flow of it, right? And you know, uh, these are all actionable things that we can do. So again, if you could summarize it in just three bullet points, what positive actions can you take to make the original three things that you want happen? Jay? Eat cleaner. Um, now also includes your hydration. Um, have a consistent routine that can be easy and manageable. And um, don't think about the things you can't control. Love it. So here's the last powerful question. Are you ready for this? So to summarize it, you want your dream well-paying job. You want to be able to make sure that you have time with your friends and family. You also say that you want to be the best version of yourself and feel happier and healthier. What you can also do is, you know, make sure that you focus on the things that you can control rather than what you cannot control eat well uh, and make sure that you have a consistent routine 
Have I got that right so far? Yep. So, Mr. J. Green, the last powerful question I'm going to ask you is, what are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it is, uh, is a really powerful question. Um, but what I'm going to do is is um, is go by my words and start to do these things, right? Um, because a lot of people give advice that they don't follow. They kind of just say it just to make themselves look good on, on the camera or whatever. But I'm um, someone that says these things because I truly believe in them. I've been on the, the shit end where I've literally had crap food and too much alcohol and, and put myself second and so I've put myself in a position where I'm quite vulnerable to my own feelings and feeling like shit, unmotivated, lazy, in bed. Um, so I've seen, I've been in that dark side, still I'm in that dark side to an extent, but I can take these little baby steps right now because they're easy and manageable. Um, and that, that's, that is the key thing here, just taking them baby steps one step at a time. Hell yes, bruv. I 100% believe in you and I know that you will. And just to kind of like sound this off uh, and end this off, because this has been a really powerful episode. I've never done anything like about it. So Jay, thank you so much for being part of this journey and helping with this. So my last, again, this will be my advice and you can take it or you leave it. The one thing that I always say is that when things are broken, some people think that's the end of it. Once it's broken, if it's a relationship, if it's work, if it's mental health. The beautiful thing is that when something is broken, that is not the end. Here is an opportunity to help fix something by taking action to do it, be it with your health, be it with your work, with your career or your mindset. Like things break all the time and it's good that they break because you can recalibrate it and then rebuild it. Rebuilding is one of the most coolest freaking journeys on 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 to experience uh, within life right um another analogy is you know there was this uh, i can't remember what the name of the book is and i'm paraphrasing here where it talks about a young boy who's with a horse and the boy is on the horse and they're going on the journey together and what the boy says to the horse is you know like i can't see the way of how we're going to get to this final destination and the horse turns around to the young boy and says well can you at least see the the step in front of you and he said, yeah, I can see that step. And the law says, just take that first step, right? That's all you need to worry about is that first step. And then every step thereafter will become more clearer. But as you said, do it in baby steps and take your time on it. You don't have to have the end goal. You just need to be able to take that first step. And that's taking the action, right? And the last bit of, uh, to go back in history, when we went through the, the pandemic and the lockdown and like when Neil had lost work and had no work for six months, um, I reached out to my mentor because I was panicking, I was scared, as I was a few weeks ago, and I did the same thing to him, and I reached out to him. Um, but this is what David, much love to him, said to me. He's like, Neil, you've been doing this happy seven thing for a bit, you've been quite successful with it, you're all happy, but have you really been doing what you want to do? And I was like, yeah, of course, I'm delivering projects, I'm getting SDLs results. He said, yeah, but is that, is that all you want to do? Is there anything else you want to be doing in life? And I was hoping for him to turn around and just say, here's another gig and here's another work contract that he was going to drop me into and he'll be paying the bills and the rent and all of that. And he just said to me, do you have enough cash to last you a couple of weeks or months at least? And I said, yeah, you know, I've got a little bit of something for a rainy day, which will keep me going. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the whiteboard that you always have behind you and I want you to draw four columns. And I was like, okay. He said, in column one, I want you to write, what is it that you love doing? Right. What is it that you really love doing day in, day out and you could do and not be paid for it? Right. Write that down. Second column, say things that you like doing, you know, part of your day to day that brings you a bit of joy and fulfillment and happiness. I'm like, right, cool. And then in the fourth column, putting stuff that you don't really like, but you can do, you know, and I was like, OK, cool. 
And in the last column, put what you freaking hate doing day in, day out and just have no energy for or towards. And he said, here's the thing, Neil. I know you. You're probably going to go and try and do this within an hour, right? And I knew you just want to get this done. And he said, that's not the aim here. He said, if you haven't got any work coming in, I want you to go onto that board and come back to it every couple of days. Okay. And I did this over a period of four to five weeks, right, Jay? In column one was concluded that I love helping people. I love performing. I love learning about people's stories. I love coaching people to see their best potential. You know, I love being my own boss and owning my own time. These are things that I love. What do I like doing? I like putting together PDF guides, uh, how-to presentations, recording videos and contents, and, you know, creating media and all of this sort of stuff. And, you know, I like doing posts and stuff on LinkedIn. Um, and I love, you know, new hires and helping them on an onboarding journey. I love that shit. What is the stuff that I can do but doesn't really float my boat? I can manage, I can build a team, I can report on KPIs, I can build playbooks for days in, days out, and I can create a whole outbound process. Stuff that I can do, but I don't really like doing it all the time. What do I hate doing? I hate reporting to a VP of sales. I hate dashboards and I hate numbers. And after doing it, I connected back with David and I just said, do you know what, I've never had the time to do that or really think about what I like and what I really hate. And then I have to figure out what I need to do and what I want to do. And that was the first time, and that's why back in, you know, a few years ago, I relaunched my business as to how I went to market, what happy settings provide, what I do like, what I do not like, what I will not get into in a project, what I will be looking for in a project. And I'm doing the same thing again, you know, because I thought I was broken and things were broken because the world's gone to pot. But I now have an opportunity to rebuild it, and I'm actually quite excited about that. And yeah, next year, I have no idea what it's going to look like because I don't know what the other steps look like. And it may be the same for yourself. But here's a chance to write a whole new chapter, a whole new way of life. And I don't know if that was too deep for yourself, Jay, but what do you think, mate? No, I think that's amazing. I've never thought of that. I've had coaching sessions virtually even during the pandemic where they try and compartmentalise your feelings into certain lists. But I've never thought about maybe some of the things that you hate and love doing. That's a really great idea and something that i would look to do it's just for me sometimes i can get really overwhelmed and it's it's all about taking that baby step just just get that paper out a bit yeah. and just start doing that once i get out of that little hurdle that pathetic hurdle then i i would be i'd love to do that and take that stress on board i think it's a great show um and it could really align with exactly what you need what to do for the long term because as i mentioned it's all about longevity I love it. I do. Well, Jay, um, before we end on today's show, I just wanted to know, are there any shout-outs that you'd like to give today? To yourself. Um, we're both going through such a shit time. Shout-out to you, Neil, for being patient with me and um, giving me your time. I know, you know, things are shit right now. Um, we're both looking for, for opportunity. So I have no doubt 2023 is going to be a year. I'm not just saying that because you're just Thank like you, man. sitting there. Um a shout out to obviously the two relatives I'm looking after. They've gone through a horrendous time as well. Um, obviously my mum, that was her partner and my granddad mm. who obviously they're not related, but you know, when you're in the same household and you've known someone for seventeen years and someone just is gone like like that, like poof. It's um it's it's quite hard to take in. So shout out to them for continuing to live life and enjoy life to the full whilst going through this healing process. 
And just a shout out to like previous mentors I've had as well. I mean, for my MMA fight, I had uh, I had a guy from Entrado, my previous company, and he lives <laughs> bloody miles away. He travelled all the way to Brighton just to see my fight. Um, I haven't seen this guy for a year and a half, two years, and he messaged me going, "I want to support you." Um, bought a ticket, cage side, and and came to shout out to him, and just shout out to like people that actually like drop in. I won't obviously embarrass them on, on the podcast, but they know exactly who they are. Yeah. Um, these are the people that obviously are genuine, and like I say, they're usually like people that aren't sort of spoken about or noticed mm. on LinkedIn because they don't have a fancy profile or an Instagram page or any of this this bullshit this crap. Um, but yeah, <laughs> just a shout out to them and uh, anyone struggling out there. I'm, I'm here, um, happy to leave my personal number as well. I'm not like shy to speak mm. to someone or I'm not like up my own arse or somebody think so anyone that needs a chat dump here a coffee whatever um, email me add me on LinkedIn whatever it is um, let's just be positive for 2023 and um, how yeah just just keep pushing leveling up love that Jay also I want to give a massive shout out to you for being unapologetically you right and I want to give a shout out to you for you know sharing your experiences being vulnerable today helping me learn and hopefully with our listeners uh, on the show today and watchers to getting a different side as to you know not everything is always rosy but you have to also give yourself credit for the amount of things that you've gone through and you're still standing here today this it's freaking beautiful man um and i've got high hopes for you and i have a lot of time for you going into 2023 because it will be amazing you know, there's a whole analogy of you see two people mining for diamonds, like underground, where one person is one pick away from the big diamond and the other person is turning away and they're just almost so close. I always try to imagine that there is this beautiful rainbow on the other side of all of this shite that we're going through. And the biggest like influence for me, mate, was that film with Will Smith, The Pursuit of Happiness, where that dad who's lost it all when he's sleeping in a bathroom in a public subway with his kid um, and Mr. Gardiner, who's the real CEO, the, he's called the CEO of happiness. Four years on, like since Thanksgiving that time, like there is this other side to life, but we have to go through this suffering. We're going to do it together, mate. Um, and I love the fact that you're always open to wanting to help other people. So definitely I'll be putting your LinkedIn profile. So if anybody wants to connect with Jay, A, potentially for work to provide for him, if you think he'd be a great fit for your business, but equally, if you want to be asking his two cents on stuff because he's gone through a lot of experiences that could potentially help out people out there as well um but also i want to give a massive thank you to all of our listeners subscribers and watchers on today if you love this episode like i did please make sure that you give it a rating and subscribe to the show and equally on our youtube channel please make sure that you like comment and subscribe uh but mr green thank you so much for being on the sdr disco call show today it's been an absolute privilege and pleasure I'm going to wish you a happy selling, as I do with all my guests, because I know that you're going to be going into that in 2023. But thank you so much for joining, Jay. Neil, it's a pleasure, and uh, it'd be great to keep in touch and see what you're doing for next year. Hell yeah, my bro. All right, thank you very much, Jay, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, well, man. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR 
disco call, one word, at bcast, which is b-c-a-s-t dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.